Welcome back to In Retrospect. This is Episode 2, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, an interview with Becky Jackson. In the first podcast episode, I gave an introduction, why I'm doing this, how it came about. The main reason is that I want us to come together and look at life's lessons through the clear perspective of hindsight. We have so much to learn from each other, and today is awesome because we get to have our first guest here. Becky Jackson has dedicated her adult life to the noble art of motherhood, from the great white north to the beautiful state of Washington, and now in the beehive state. I give you, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Becky Jackson. This is so awkward. I feel so uncomfortable right now. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Just life is beautiful. This is not as easy as she made it look. And the next thing I know, I was sucked under in the riptide. Oh gosh, thinking back, I just cringe. My instinct is to just really react big. Buckle up. Welcome back, listeners, and welcome to you, Becky. Thank you. All right, I'd like to start with a little description. First of all, you weren't really excited about coming to do this, were you? Well, maybe not. <laughs> you said you were boring, <laughs> not going to be interesting. Yeah, true. And, and I knew that wasn't right. Oh. <laughs> so let me start with a little introduction from your family. Oh. So first we're going to start with Justin, your husband. He says... Becky is fun, energetic, smart, and the best mom to walk the earth. Oh. <laughs> now with your kids. Jordan, my mom is a thoughtful, ambitious, inclusive lady who always tries to do the right thing. Emily, she is thoughtful, hardworking, and she knows how to laugh and have a good time. Whitney, Becky J is a spunky, kind lady with a ton of love in her heart. Spencer, she is wise and motivational in words and actions. Tovi. Happy, selfless, giving, sharing, kind, loving, charitable, helpful, but most of all, fun at parties and spazzy. <laughs> then Sarah says, first of all, she is a spaz, but she is the kindest, most loving, humble spaz you will ever meet. Okay, so that's your family's introduction for you. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> all right, Rebecca Jackson was born in Surrey, British Columbia, Canada, to Dave and Mamie Penn. She has um, six siblings, Julie, Michelle, Mike, Emily, Mary, John. Later in life, she had added step-siblings, Nathan, Becca, and Mark. Her hometown is Surrey, and later she moved to Orem, Utah. In 1991, graduated from Orem High School and then attended Ricks College. Around that time, she was introduced to Justin Jackson, and they were married in September 1993. They have five kids, two bonus kids, she says, and one son-in-law. They've been married, um, Becky and Justin have been married 24 years, and Becky has dedicated her adult life to being a full-time mother and feels pride in this role. So that's just a short introduction, okay? Okay, thanks. Did that cover part of your life? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the questions I ask is if you've, if people have written books or if they've, you know, whatever, written stuff and you wrote, you... Um, write love notes and encouraging notes to your husband and kids yeah and so you kept thinking you weren't going to be that interesting and 
why was I interviewing you? And actually, that's the same response everyone has been has given when I've asked them to be on the show. Okay. But I want to read you a story. Okay. Okay. This is a story. Um, this is the biography of Henry Eyring, Henry B. Eyring. And during this time that this story takes place, he was the president of what was then Ricks College, now BYU-Idaho. And as president of the college, the university, or Ricks College, he taught a class every semester, a religion class. And in one of the lessons, um, they were teaching from a book of scripture uh, called The Doctrine and Covenants. This is the story, okay? Okay. All right, and I wanted to read this because... You weren't, um, I thought this went right along with the things that you have authored. <laughs> okay. He says, I was teaching from section 25 of the Doctrine and Covenants. In that section, Emma Smith is told that, sh- that she should give her time to, quote, writing and to learning much, end quote. About three rows back sat a blonde girl whose brow wrinkled as I urged the class to be diligent in developing writing skills. She raised her hand and said, that doesn't seem reasonable to me. All I'll ever write... Our letters to my children. That brought laughter all around the class. I felt chagrined to have applied that scripture to her. Just looking at her, I could imagine a full quiver of children around her, and I could even see the letters she'd write in purple ink with handwriting slanting backwards, neat round loops and circles for the tops of the eyes. Maybe maybe writing powerfully wouldn't matter to her. Then a young man stood up near the back. He had said little during the term. I'm not sure he had ever spoken before. He was older than the other students, and he was shy. He asked if he could speak. He told in a quiet voice of having been a soldier in Vietnam. One day, in what he thought would be a lull, he had left his rifle and walked across his fortified compound to mail call. Just as he got a letter in his hand, he heard a bugle blowing and shouts and mortar and rifle fire coming ahead of the swarming enemy. He fought his way back to his rifle, using his hands as weapons. With the men who survived, he drove the enemy out. The wounded were evacuated. Then he sat down among the living and some of the dead, and he opened his letter. It was from his mother. She wrote that she had that she had, had a spiritual experience that assured her that he would live to come home if he were righteous. In my class, the boy said quietly, That letter was scripture to me. I kept it. And he sat down. All right, so <laughs> that's what I think about that's beautiful what you're doing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you learned in your childhood. Okay. All right, and let me ask you, what did you learn by observing your parents? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because I think we sort of just take our childhood lives and selves and parents for granted that... It's just the way the world is. But to look back and really consider what did I learn from watching them, I feel like I learned a lot. My mom was just a quiet, humble woman who was so full of love. And I think just watching her mother, I learned that moms are happy and moms serve and moms love and give. Moms encourage, moms support. Um, and I just... I think I just gleaned this idea that being a mom is the best thing you could be just from watching her love being a mom. And then my dad, you know, of course, was outside the home providing for our family. And watching him, I think I learned that dads work hard 
and dads support their families, but that dads also have an important role in encouraging their kids. And my dad was one who would make adventures happen. He would take us on camping trips or plan big family outings. Um, My dad was one who would sit us down for personal interviews one-on-one and ask us about our goals and our accomplishments. And from him, I learned that it's important to always be working on something, to try to be achieving and um, aspiring to accomplish Whatever it is that you're passionate about, just be doing something. Mm-hmm. So, okay. What, what sort of traditions did y'all have in the house, in the home that you can remember? So, first thing that comes to mind when I think of traditions, of course, are holidays. And Christmas was a big one. We loved Christmas Eve day. We just spent the whole day together, which always felt magical to me. And it's really simple, really looking back on it. But it meant so much at the time. We just spent the day together in the kitchen. We'd make colored popcorn and then go caroling to friends and neighbors and um, just spent the whole day and the whole evening together. After we went Christmas caroling, we'd come home and have a Christmas Eve feast of junk food and snacks, which I loved because we were very much um, a homemade, home-cooked meal every day, nothing from a box family, which Mm -hmm. was awesome. Mm -hmm. But so to have this meal where we're sitting down and eating cheese and crackers just felt like such an adventure. Yeah, (laughs) royal banquet. Yeah, it's funny what stands Mm. out to a kid. So we'd have our little feast and then we'd act out the Christmas story and... Christmas Day, of course, was with all the extended family. So just lots of extended family traditions. Growing up, we lived close to my dad's side of the family, spent time with cousins and aunts and uncles, and Mm -hmm. family was always important. And your dad was from Canada. Mom was from California. Yes. Right, okay. Um, How do you think that home has shaped what your home is like now? You know, I think it shaped it a lot. I think I've been able to look back on the good that was there and to try to recreate that and build on that. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted our home to be a place that was inclusive, that our kids would want to be there, want to spend time with us, want to spend time with each other, that their friends would feel comfortable there, um, that people would feel happy and safe and loved in our home. And that's definitely how I felt growing up. Uh, I asked you about what did you want to do uh, when you were a kid? What did you dream of doing later? And you said being a mom. Yeah. Um, and so like, um, were you just born with that, you think, or? I, mean, I don't know. I guess so. I can't ever remember not wanting to be a mom. My mom tells me when I was a little girl, I said, I want to grow up and have 20 children and have chickens <laughs> and horses <laughs> that evolved. But yeah, my stepsister Becca tells me that when we were in high school, I told her, I just can't wait to have a minivan full of my own people to love. And thanks to my husband, that dream came true. Do you have a minivan? I think you have a We did for years. We had a minivan and it was full of our five little people. Okay. Because you have like a huge armed vehicle now. Yeah. (laughs) We upgraded to the SUV when the kids got bigger. not mini. (laughs) Uh, So I have a kind of a story and then a question for you. Okay. Okay. Um, When Mary... So... As you know, we have five kids, and Mary wanted to be a full-time mom. So she was, she um, stayed at home with them full-time while I was in school and, and as I've worked. Um, and uh, during that time, every now and then she'd have like a part-time job or whatever. Um, and one time, I, I don't remember what she was doing. She was working at a country club or something where we were living in Iowa or something. And 
and someone um, she was talking to who's known her for a long time, um, I won't say who, um, made a comment that I think was well-intended, but, um, you know, when she found out that Mary was working outside of the house and doing something outside of the home, she's like, she said, oh, that's so good. I'm glad to see you. You know, you're able to use that smart brain of yours now. And, mm. and, um, so what do you think about that comment? Does it, does it take brains to be a full-time mom? Does it? Oh I mean, my <laughs> goodness. Yes, of course. <laughs> I know. That kind of comment, that kind of thinking stings a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hurts my feelings a little bit, but then just for a second and then beyond that, it makes me a little bit sad for that person because I think you're really missing the mark if you don't value and understand the importance of the mm-hmm. role a parent has in the home with their children, whether it's mom or dad who chooses to be that available person with the kids. Right. I, th- I found it interesting when I was applying for medical medical school, how, you know, you had to have community service and whatnot. And I felt sometimes like, gosh, why can't I just count community service as I've constantly playing with my kids, you yeah. know? Why do yes. I, why do I, why, why does it have to be someone else besides my kids? You mm-hmm. know, I, don't I know. like that. So it's a great service to the community and world to raise a good family, to bring, raise people and teach people to then go out and who will go out and contribute as well. Okay. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, tell me what you were doing in middle school and high school. Okay. In Surrey. Yes, Surrey. Surrey, Canada. A little bit of everything. We had this fun little opportunity that the school we went to and the community we lived in just w- had so many opportunities and not a lot of competition, for lack of a better word. So if I wanted to be on the soccer team, I just showed up and I got to be on the soccer team. Nice. I played field hockey. I did track and field. I did volleyball, basketball, you You, name it. Whatever was going on during the year, whatever season it was, I played that sport. You didn't have to specialize by age eight like you do now. (laughs) Yeah, it was very different. And I wasn't good at any of them. And a lot of the sports... You know, during those games, I might be a bench warmer, but honestly, I was just happy to be there, happy to be part of a team. I always had fun at practices, kept me in shape, kept me out of trouble, good memories, good times. Yeah. And then I also dabbled a little in music. I'm so not musically talented, but I sang in choirs and played the saxophone in the band in middle school. And wow, I didn't know that. Can you still play <laughs> no. saxophone? I don't know. I haven't tried in years. You but. could play the um, the court or the the key. What's it called? Dory me. Oh yeah, Probably sure. Still. I I should try. Oh. I haven't tried in forever. Do but... any of your kids have a saxophone? No. You can play around on. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. In student government. Yeah. Yeah. Tenth grade. I think I was the uh, student council treasurer. No, secretary. Yeah. Good times. Hmm. Fun stuff. I was in a couple of plays, a musical. Really, truly, I did a little bit of everything. Hmm. What musicals? It was called Bells Are Ringing. Yeah, I don't know. It's a no-namer. I can't even remember yeah. what it was about. And then also the Christmas Carol, Scrooge uh-huh. play. I'm trying to remember what other plays. What were you in that? Um, young Scrooge's girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah. Uh-huh. The one he chooses not to marry. Yeah, yeah that uh-huh. was me. <laughs> Justin got you instead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so what, were, what do you think were some of your biggest... Um, things that you learned or, or let's actually biggest challenges maybe during your adolescence. Oh gosh. Thinking back, I just cringe. Oh, 
I think I was probably pretty typical for a teenage girl, you know, those young teenage years, you're just so self-conscious and worried about what do people think and trying to fit in. Um, so what do you think of the secret now that you've had, now that you've helped kids, your own kids through that, what, what's kind of the secret for helping teens through those years? Oh, that's such a good question. You have a lot of experience with that. I, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) What's worked for you and Justin or what's worked with your own kids? I guess just trying to help them feel confident in who they are and then walk out the door letting go of all of that and not even worrying about it and just knowing I'm all right and just encouraging them to be a friend to other people or look for opportunities to serve others to get them a little bit out of their own head. Mm -hmm. But I think you're only able to do that if you have a foundation of self-assurance. From your family or... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. From your own worth. And I think worth really comes from working. I think work is super important. Yeah, I agree. Like for building just that own, that confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I just totally agree. Just building your character. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. You see like, um, you know, kids that have, that work on the farm or go out in the country, they seem to have that just quiet confidence. Mm-hmm. And you can get that in the city too. I get, you know, if you're working and yeah, you, that nothing, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Nothing builds your, I think self-confidence, the self-esteem that we talk about or hear about. Yeah. Nothing like doing good hard work. Yeah. <laughs> They may not like it at first, like me. I hated that. My dad waking me up to mow the yard on Saturday morning. Yes. When I wanted to sleep in till noon. Yes. Hated it. But, yeah. Okay. Now, let me ask you, but why'd you move to Utah? So, we had lived up in Washington for 19 years, close to my husband's extended family. And as our girls started graduating and leaving... Wait, sorry. Let me back up. I'm okay. sorry. As a teenager, why did you leave oh, Can- Canada? Oh, first time. Yeah, first yeah, yeah. time. Right. Yeah. Sorry. We're back in the teen years. So my parents had divorced when I was 13 years old. And when I was 16, my mom remarried and my stepdad was from Indiana. He had just gotten a job in Utah. So the two families both relocated to Utah Met in the middle, parents got married, started a new life there. Mm-hmm. Ten kids now all together. Yes. Not all ten were in the home. Right, that's right. At first, I want to say there were six of us okay. living at home. You, so you, when you moved to Utah, was that your junior or senior year? Mm-hmm, middle of my junior year. Yep, 16 years old. Okay. So having gone through, let's talk about the family melding because okay. that is, that's, that's everywhere. Yeah, I, true. I had that in my family. So kind of looking back now, yeah. what advice would you give to parents who are combining families? Oh, that's a good question. Buckle up. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know because I, I only know the experience from a kid's perspective. But I would say from a kid's perspective, there's still a need for connection. I maybe felt a little bit lost in the shuffle of it all. And I don't fault anyone for that. I don't hold any kind of hard sure. feelings for it. Right. It's just how it felt. 
And so maybe advice would be for that mom or that dad to still connect with each of their own children. Um, you know, I'm, I can't even imagine how difficult it is from the parent's perspective of adjusting to a new marriage and parenting someone else's children. Right. And, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, buckle up. So one-on-one time. Buckle up and one-on-one time. Sure, Still yeah. do that. Just keep just keeping those connections and open communication with your kiddos. And what about like sibling to step-sibling? How do you... Oh, boy. I don't know, I don't know what sort of advice you'd give with that. That's I nice. maybe would say just don't push anything. Don't try to force anything. Just give your kids all the time and all the space they need. Mm-hmm. And just see what happens. Yes. And maybe yeah. those connections will grow and that love will come. Mm-hmm. And great. And maybe it won't. And that's okay. And probably... I guess as I would just say... As long as there's respect. And, yeah, 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 certainly. Sure. There's a level of civility that has to exist in the home. But, sure. But it's okay to just let your kids be authentic mm-hmm. and not try to force anything along. Becky, thanks for that. And do you know what time it is? No. It's two minutes of glory time. <laughs> How exciting. You know what time it is. It's Two Minutes of Glory, where our guest gets to show their knowledge of the subjects they love best. Let's do this. All right, it's time for Two Minutes of Glory. This is the game show where you answer as many questions as you can in two minutes. Okay. If you get ten right in two minutes, you earn, you win this amazing, in retrospect, mug. Awesome. For hot chocolate, herbal tea cereal whatever you want to drink eat out of it okay drink out of it 10 right 10 right okay let's do it i'm gonna set my timer here for two minutes and when i say go we're gonna go if you want to pass just say pass okay all right this quiz is about words or phrases that have the word mother in them or that have to do with mother okay ready okay let's do it (laughs) we're starting right now Doing this while walking down the sidewalk might break your mother's back. Uh, step on a crack. Correct. The holiday on the second Sunday in May. Mother's Day. Correct. John the Baptist's mother. Oh, Elizabeth. Yes. A smooth, shiny substance on the inside of oysters used in ornamentation. Pearl? Mother of Pearl. Mother of Pearl. Correct. <laughs> Who is Ron Weasley's mother? What's her name? Oh, 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 Pass. I can totally picture her in the movie. <laughs> you can't say Mrs. Weasley. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to it. If you think okay, of it later. Okay. Time. Next, the nun who founded the Missionaries of Charity working in Calcutta to care for the poor. Mother Teresa. Yes. The main printed circuit board found in microcomputers and other expandable systems. <laughs> Motherboard. <laughs> Motherboard, yes. <laughs> this Latin term means nourishing mother, referring to either a school or university which an individual attended. Oh, your alma mater? Alma mater. Oh. Good. How about Harry Potter's mother's name? Oh, my goodness. Why can't I think of these two women from Potter? I can totally... You think of it later. Okay. Okay, pass. Pass. A book by P.D. Eastman in which a newly... A lost, newly hatched bird is searching for his maternal figure. Oh, are you my mother? Yes. <laughs> a common metaphorical expression for the earth and its biosphere. Mother Earth. Mother, mother Earth, yes. 
How about a dark comedy starring Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal involving a murder plot and a locomotive? Oh, man, I don't know. Okay, pass? Yeah, pass. Musical romantic comedy based on ABBA songs. Oh, <laughs> Mamma Mia. Okay. The song Gothel uses to frighten Rapunzel into remaining in her... Mother knows best! Yes. A phrase meaning say nothing, don't reveal a secret. Mum's the word. Mum's the word. Finish this phrase. Necessity is the mother of... Oh! Pass? <laughs> How many did I get right? Did I lo- <laughs> What is her name? Let's see. Oh, um, Molly. Molly! What oh. about Harry's mom? Lily. Lily. Lily Evans. I knew that. So let's see what you get right. I totally blanked. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight, nine, no. ten. Oh, good. You got Mamma Mia, and then you got Mother's No Best. So you got eleven, and then Mum's the Word. So you got twelve right. Oh, nice. Okay, you good. win this in retrospect Woo-hoo! mug. Yay me! Congratulations. Okay, wait. Now it's bugging me. What is the phrase? Necessity is the mother of invention. Oh, good one. How about we'll do a bonus one? This mom went to the cupboard to get her poor doggy a bone. <laughs> Old Mother Hubbard. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. You rocked that game show. Oh, thanks. That was two minutes of glory. Nice. All right. You really rocked that. That was awesome. Oh, thanks. Mm, Here's some... Let's talk about some adulthood questions. Okay. Some defining moments of adulthood. Yeah. Actually, let's back up. So how'd you meet Justin? How did you and Justin meet? So at college, his... um, He's from Vancouver, Washington, and my roommate is from Vancouver, Washington, and she knew him from growing up and introduced us, set us up. Do you want to talk about your first date? <laughs> it was a really good time. <laughs> it really set the tone for our whole courtship, I have to say. It was kind of perfect. So Justin and his roommates, unbeknownst to the girls, set up a game just to make it more interesting. It was a big group date. And they made a contest, and you could earn points to win the contest by having any kind of physical contact with anyone in the group other than your own date. So as we're sitting at dinner, and then we went ice skating, and then back to the home to play games and have dessert afterwards, throughout the whole evening, I'm watching him interact with all these other girls. Um, The low point was when the... Oh, it was roller skating and the person, you know, emceeing the night. Oh, couples skate. Everybody grab your favorite girl. And he went over and held hands with someone else and took her out on the floor and ice skated (laughs) or roller skated around the rink with her. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is so awkward. I feel so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Clearly, he doesn't even like me. I don't know why he asked me on this date. I'm going to have Justin later as a guest until he'll be able to give a rebuttal. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing he can say. That is the straight up truth. So yeah, he won. I was kind of mortified. He won the contest, but lo and behold, he actually really did want to go out with me and ask me out again, which again, confused me a little bit. Right. Right off why the Why were you so confused? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I can't imagine you're, why. You're supposed to just know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, 24 years later. Yeah, yeah, still kicking. Still doing the couples roller skating together. Yeah, there you go. Have you guys done that recently? 
No, you, it's you, been you a gotta long time. Reenact that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about kind of here you were dreaming of being a mother and yeah. kind of the how did how has motherhood fulfilled what you imagined? How has it been different? Mm, good one. My sisters and I have joked that our mom did us a great disservice because she was <laughs> such a good mom. She made it look easy. Mm. So we kind of laugh together and say, you know, this is not as easy as she made it look. It's easy. It's hard to make something look easy. It's easy to make something look hard. Oh, good one. I heard that one time during surgery. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I have a feeling my kids aren't coming away from life thinking, oh, being a mom is easy. (laughs) I don't think I've done as good of a job as my own mom did. But um, 100% absolutely love, love, love being a mom. Everything I've hoped for and more. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Just life is beautiful. What makes it worth it? There's a lot of... There's... Yeah, like you say, highs and lows. What, yeah. make, what makes it worth it? Why do, why do we keep going back Yeah, more? You know, it's the little things. When they're little, it's just so easy to feel their love and you're their hero and the hugs and the kisses and the love notes and the pictures and um, the dynamic shifts the older they get. But it's still the same. To hear that I love you, um, to see them loving each other, to see them doing good things with their lives, serving each other, serving joyfully outside of the home, succeeding in school sports music you know whatever they watching them develop their talents watching them fall in love watching them make friends seeing them struggle through the adversities that come and coming out on top Hmm. they've interesting it's it's more glory than the two minutes of glory we just did (laughs) oh yeah for sure okay Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Even just the simple, I feel like the best moments happen late at night when they're supposed to be in bed asleep, but mm-hmm. you just have these good talks or simple little thanks for everything you do, mom, mm. that just keep you going. What advice would you give to new parents? Oh, enjoy the journey. Enjoy every stage. There's things that are hard and things that are exhilarating about every stage and don't ever wish any of it away. Just take what take what comes and love it. It's hmm. awesome. Well, you've got as um, some of your heroes. Maybe talk about them. Okay. Who are your heroes? Why are, um, why are they your heroes? Okay. Well, I first thought of my mom, and of course, just like I said, she made life look easy and full of joy and just full of love and fun. So she's my hero, just with the goodness she radiates and how she's able to love everyone. Um, I would say my husband, Justin, is one of my heroes. It's I think about this often. It really is because of him that I get to live the life that I get to live. I have the freedom and the flexibility to do whatever I want on the day-to-day basis. I get to spend time with my kids or volunteer in the community or be at the schools to volunteer or sit on the couch and read a book. I mean, really, I feel kind of like a pampered princess sometimes. <laughs> um, but he is just giving me a great life. But besides that, um, he's my hero because he just has a heart of gold. I know a lot of people don't know this about him, but he really has such a tender, loving, giving heart. And he has a gift for loving people and caring about people that I really admire. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So five kids. 
Yeah. Then how did you come across Sarah and Erica? So these two girls are part of our family. They started just spending time in our home as friends of our daughters. They lived not too far away in the neighborhood and became good friends with our girls. And just over time, as the need arised, they just started spending more and more time in our home and really became part of our family. So we just love them like they're our own. And they really are such a gift and a blessing to have part of our family. And it just, it makes me really happy actually when I hear my boys say, yeah, I have five older sisters. So we've got these two bonus girls that we just love. It's awesome. Sarah and Erica. And Erica right now is in South Korea. Yes, serving a mission for our church. That's so awesome. And Jordan served a mission in the Philippines. Yeah. And Emily found Colton. Yes. They've been married for... um, Five months? Five months. Six-ish, yeah. And then Whitney just received a mission call. Yes. Heading to Taiwan... Taichung Mission, January 10th. Shock of our lives. We did not think she'd be Asia-bound. That's awesome. Yeah. One of your favorite movies is Interstellar. Yeah. When did you watch that? Because Lindsay introduced me to that, and oh my gosh, that movie is definitely one of the top. So what do you like about it? Well, what's funny is Justin took our daughter Whitney to go see it in the theater, and neither one of them liked it at all. They came home saying it was so boring and long, but they went with completely different expectations. The previews made it look like an action movie. Oh. And so when I watched it, I was alone because they had already seen it. They didn't want to watch it. And just in my house, and I had very low expectations going into it. And I just loved it because it's the kind of movie that gets you thinking and Mm -hmm. you think deeply about life and your choices and time. I love this idea of time Mm -hmm. and how we use it and what we do with it. So, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Lindsay introduced me to that, and I think I had to work the next day, but I stayed up to like two watching it. Oh. (laughs) That was such a good movie. And then the music. Yes. Hans Zimmer. And it's beautiful. I was watching on YouTube um, how they how they recorded the music. Oh, so Christopher Nolan, I think is his name, is the direct the the director for it. Okay, or co-writer or whatever. And he went to Hans Zimmer, the one who's done like Pirates of the Caribbean music and lots of other music. And he said, "Hey, I have this uh, movie I'm going to do," and he kind of didn't tell him a, the genre or anything. And he started writing this music and it just fit perfectly. And then they recorded it in this big, like, cathedral-like pipe organ oh, and everything. Nice. Just Don't you love that music? Yes. I listen to that at work. Oh, I love that. I have not seen Age of Adeline. Oh, it's kind of a chick flick. I like some chick flicks. Like yeah, it's a pretty good one. Okay. It, yeah, spoiler alert. It's about a woman who has this lightning strike kind of accident and it freezes her body so her molecules no longer degenerate so she's ageless she just stays at this whatever she was 25 years old or something for decades and you know it's it's a chick flick and there's romance and whatever but what I really like about it is just watching her she's elegant she's poised she's intelligent She's articulate, but I just love seeing what she chooses to do with all this time that she has. She learns languages. She studies culture, art, literature, 
And it's very inspiring. And it makes me think, what am I doing with my time? Would I do that if I had all the time in the world? Hmm. What would I do? I like it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, You've had some um, near, you had a near-death experience i've never heard this story are you okay talking about it or i am there were for years i couldn't talk about it without crying like a baby but i think i could talk about it Hmm. so yeah we were at the beach we love to go to the coast we live a couple hours away and that was one of our favorite family vacations and my stepsister and her family were coming up for their spring break you're talking about in vancouver washington yes okay Yep, a couple hours, we'd go down to the Oregon coast. So we rented a beach house since we were having the family come, you know, extended family in town, and all this will be so fun. Well, you usually have terrible weather at the Oregon coast, but it's still beautiful and fun. So we were sitting out there one afternoon, you know, in our jeans and our sweatshirts, huddled under blankets, snuggling. Looking for vampires? Good one. Okay. Yes, because it's cold. That's, That's the picture I'm... It's cold, a little bit foggy. Sure. So the kids, of course, are in their shorts and t-shirts playing in the water. And it's ice cold to where it just hurts, but they don't care. And they get in there and they jump waves and it's maybe knee deep. You know, they're not out very far, but they're having fun. And our girls, I want to say there were five of them just out playing in the water about knee deep, holding hands. Some of the nieces are... Yeah, yeah okay. so my uh-huh. three daughters and the, uh-huh. their two cousins playing in the water. And as the afternoon went on, they're they're out there for a long time. And there were just so many things about this scenario, looking back at it, that were so interesting. But at one point, Justin said, they're going to be really cold. I'm going to walk back up to the house, which was just, you know, maybe a block away, and turn on the hot tub. So he's gone. And then Becca at one point said... You know, I'm getting kind of antsy. I'm just going to get up and take a walk, stretch my legs, walk up and down the beach. So she left. She's walking up the beach. So Scott, my brother-in-law, and I are there with our little boys just playing in the sand in front of us. So as time goes on, the girls are drifting down the beach away from us. They're not walking. They're not moving. But yet they're getting farther and farther away from us, parallel to the seashore, still only about knee deep. So they're kind of drifting along the, yeah, the shallow just, part of the... Yeah, okay. getting farther and farther away from us. And Scott and I are sort of watching this and going, what is happening? Why are they getting far away? And we're starting to feel a little uneasy. And he stepped up and walked down the beach. It was maybe 50 yards. I mean, it's a little ways. Sure. And as he's walking, all of a sudden, two of the girls are just gone. Just gone. And the other three are standing there in shock, still knee deep in the water, holding hands, looking perplexed, kind of walking back up the shore. Um, And I just started running. I just started running down to where the girls were. And as I was running, in my mind, so clear were the words, do not get in the water, do not get in the water, do not get in the water. Well... That's my baby in the water getting sucked out to sea. So mm-hmm. I'm getting in the, I'm getting in the water. So Scott, my brother-in-law, rips off his sweatshirt, kicked off his shoes, and out he goes, fully clothed into the ocean. You couldn't see them at this no. point. No. So what had happened, we didn't realize, but they were being pulled by a rip tide, a rip current. Sure. And so they hit a spot where the sand was just gone. So they went from knee deep to water that you can't even touch the ground. Right. And they're pulled out by the current. Right. So Scott went in the water out after them. I'm a little bit behind him. 
and just, I was an idiot and I just didn't listen to that voice. And I went out in my jeans and my shoes and my sweatshirt. I had a hoodie on Mm. and I'm in the water and as I'm running out into the water, the other kids are running up onto the shore and they're just, you know, so scared. And what do we do? And I said, just get up on the beach and pray. And so I go out into the water, even still in my head is do not get in the water. Do not get in the water. Mm-hmm. And um, so I swam and I was swimming for all I was worth, which it is really hard to swim in the ocean. It is really hard to swim fully clothed. When it's cold. The water is yeah. ice cold. Yeah. And I hit a point where I literally could not move. It was like I was up against a brick wall. Right. I would not be surprised to find out someday that I had a guardian angel holding me there. I was maybe eight feet away from Jordan and I could not get to her and she could not get to me. And I was screaming at her swim and she was saying, I'm trying. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't, I couldn't see Jana. I couldn't see Scott. I didn't know where they were. And the next thing I know, I was sucked under in the riptide and I was being pulled down and um, just underwater and fighting my way up, trying to gasp for air. And I thought, I got to get out of this sweatshirt. I've got to get this sweatshirt off. It's pulling me down. And really clearly in my mind, do not take off your sweatshirt. Thankfully, I listened to that time because I can only imagine if I'm underwater tangled up in my sweatshirt, I just, that would have been it. Um, (sighs) Really, going through it was like the most terrifying 30 seconds of my life. I don't know how long I was out in the water. I don't think I was out there very long. Next thing I know, Scott's pulling me up out of the water and onto the shore. Hmm. And I'm just laying on the beach. Just, I can't feel anything. I'm completely numb. I'm just coughing, coughing, coughing. I can see that both our girls are there and he's there. And Scott's yelling, where's Becca? Where's Becca? Well, she had gone on her walk and, you know, he just was in this panic state. And I think I literally went into shock. Hmm. Um, and you know, we got all the kids, we got, we just walked back up to the house and yeah, it was awful. It was terrifying, but he, from his perspective, it's really interesting, the story from his perspective and what he went through in those few minutes that he was out in the water and how he was able to help Jordan and help me get safely back to shore Hmm. and how Jana was able to help herself. So she said as she's getting pulled out into the water, she just had this very distinct impression to just tuck up her legs like into the fetal position, just curl up as tight as she could. And she said it literally felt like someone just carried her Hmm. out of that rip current and then she was able to make it back up to shore. Hmm. Wow. Gosh, that's scary and everything all in one. Yeah. So looking back on that now, thanks for sharing that. I, I've never, I'd never heard that. Um, so what I get looking back, you know, you, there's a lot of points you've already, what do you think are the main learning points from that? I don't know. Well, my biggest, I mean, huge, why didn't I listen? And I know why I didn't because the mother instinct is mm-hmm. so powerful and so strong. I don't know that I physically could have just stayed standing on the sand looking at my daughter out hmm. in the water. But yeah, huge takeaway of you've got to listen when you feel that spirit guiding you hmm. for sure. Hmm. And miracles happen. <laughs> what happened that day was a miracle. I just could not process how was Scott able to get to me and how was he able to pull me out of the water. I don't know. Hmm. 
I don't know how he did it. You have, as one of your family goals, maintain the relationship in, qu- oh, yeah. in quotes. Yeah. So I'm no, a, a, when we've, we haven't lived near you all except over the last year, six months. Yeah. And, but we always see you guys going on family trips, senior trips for your kids. So how do you maintain your relationship now that some of your kids are moved out of the house? Yes. Okay, so... Um, I actually mean something a little bit different by that phrase, but I'll oh, okay. answer your question too. So okay. I got the idea of maintaining the relationship from reading the book on Marjorie Hinckley's life. Okay. And the experience was one of her daughters or daughters-in-law had come to her saying, what do I do, mom? My kid will not get in the pool at swimming lessons. He just clings onto my legs and he screams and he cries. And he re- this is really important. He needs to learn how to swim. What should I do? And her response was maintain the relationship, which is a funny thing to say and obviously doesn't totally address the question, the issue at hand. Right. But her point was, In raising your children, things that seem like a really big problem in the moment in the grand scheme of things aren't going to be that big of a deal. Okay. But maintaining the relationship with the child is a big deal. And so to not let those challenges that come become the focus. Okay. So to not let those things eclipse the relationship. Exactly. Okay. So to treat your child in a way, to respond to the situation in a way, that you will always maintain your relationship with them. Okay. And I really appreciated that advice because my instinct is to just really react big in situations that really don't need a big reaction. So that mm. helped me to kind of step back and value the big picture. Right. right. Okay. So I guess, so now I understand a little more what you mean by that. How about with your kids now that, how do you kind of keep your, family close now that people are moving out. Yeah. So maintaining relationships just in more of a broad sense. Um, I love, I just feel very blessed that I have children who still want to share their lives with me. And I've tried to be someone they can count on. I've tried to be available to them. And again, all the credit goes to my husband that he has, worked and provided for our family in a way that has allowed me to be available to our kids and to be there for them. Hmm. And we, I feel like we have a good foundation relationship where they know they can trust me. The Jacksons are awesome. You guys are always awesome. You <laughs> well, guys always look like you're having a party over there. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Yeah. But we, I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way, but I try to be someone my kids can rely on and trust. So do you want to talk about uh, kind of an unusual feeling you started having and you started thinking about oh. becoming a Juris Doctorate? <laughs> yes. You know I do. What's interesting is that actually connects to the story of when I thought I was drowning. Because as we were walking back to the house and I was literally physically, my body was numb, but I was in shock and I had a very clear, strong impression that day that I was saved for a reason. And it's hard to put into words, but my life was preserved because I had a work to do. And it was very clear to me that it was something that I was not already engaged in doing. And it genuinely took me by surprise because 
being a mom was all I had ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I was completely fully immersed in motherhood mm-hmm. to the point of I'm drowning, raising these children, haha, <laughs> drowning. Anyway, yeah. you know, it was the busy years, really right. the busy years, right. five right. young kids at home right. always needs to be met. Um, so I just thought, what in the world would I do? There's nothing else I would rather do than what I'm doing right now. And side note, I don't really have any time to do anything else. Right. So what is this? You know, is this just my brain being frozen right now? Or yes. What is this? Yeah. It was very clear. I knew it was very real yeah. um, coming from my heavenly father, but I just kind of tucked it away and okay. it percolated in the back of my brain. What could this be? And I started just praying, help me become who you want me to be. One day I, as I was praying, those words came to me. And I just offered them up and it became a habit. And it was interesting to feel that prayer answered and to feel the spirit guide me that I was supposed to go back to school. I'd only done two years of college as a young adult and I just felt this strong desire to go back to school and finish my degree. You did that online through BYU-Idaho. Yes. At first I started just at a local community college then I found out I could complete it much faster through BYU Idaho online. I didn't know it was an option when I found out. I was thrilled because it was going to save me a ton of time and a ton of money. And what was your degree in? Um, at the time, they offered a university studies degree. Okay. And I could choose two minors. The options were marriage and family, business, English, and communication. And I chose English and communication. Okay. So started back to school and pretty shortly after I started back, um, had a very strong impression that I was supposed to go to law school, which just really caught me off guard. I, that's so not who I am. What I thought of law school is just not who I am. Um, but it's been interesting. So I've sort of, it's been seven years ago that I first had that impression and there have been some years where I just completely put it out of my head and pretend it never happened. Uh-huh. There have been some times where I try to think, okay, if this really is what I'm supposed to be doing, how can I be preparing? And I try to work toward it. I took the LSAT five years ago. I applied to BYU Law School. Uh-huh. I did not get in. Uh-huh. I was put on the wait list, which was encouraging. At least they didn't straight up, flat out reject right. me. Um, but So now I'll need to retake the LSAT. Um, but I just am trying to have an open mind to this mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. and trying to have an open heart to think, okay, Lord, if there is a work for me to do, guide me to it because I have no idea what I would do mm-hmm. with a law degree. Mm-hmm. This is really personal. So thanks for sharing it because, um, you know, sometimes we, I know I've done this with Mary when I've had thoughts about feeling like I, like I should do something and I've almost like, well, I'm not going to say anything until it actually happens or something. So thanks for sharing this, even though you're kind of still in the process of it. Yeah, you're welcome. What's funny is I wasn't going to tell anyone. I was just going to secretly apply to law school and see if I got in. And then if I did, I would tell people. But my husband saw the charge on our credit card statement to the law school like admission you hadn't council. Told, you hadn't even told him. No. <laughs> he came to me one day. What is this $125 charge to the law school admission council? And I went, oh, <laughs> darn. Well, I applied to law school. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew you had an idea. Or you had oh, yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's awesome. 
Well, that's cool, Becky Jackson. We'll watch and see what happens. Oh, thanks. We'll see. Um, do you have... So thank you so much for taking your time out today. There's... We only like... I mean, we barely scratched the surface on this. We didn't talk about your favorite color red, <laughs> your favorite books. Uh, I mean, there's a lot we didn't talk about, but you've gone from Vancouver to Utah to Vancouver, Washington, yeah. and then now you're here in Utah, and I'm just glad you're here. So what I want to ask is, do you have anything else you want to you want to say well you've got the mic anything else you want to say any messages to your children or to the audience or anything that's a lot of pressure but if i just think i'm talking to my kids that makes it less pressure and and that's yeah what do you want to pass on to them yeah and to their kids you know before my grandpa passed away maybe five years or so before he passed away at a family reunion he gave us the advice always stay close to the church And in the moment, I thought it was kind of funny advice. And I thought to myself, I think he means the Lord. I think he means stay close to the Lord. I'm just going to take it as that because I couldn't really make sense of it. But as I've gotten a little bit older, I think I understand what he meant. And I think I know where he came was coming from. And so I would definitely pass that on to my kids. For sure, stay close to the Lord, of course. But I also really value his advice. Stay close to the church. And I would also say... Um, No matter what the question is or what your trial is or your sorrow or hardship, no matter what it is you're going through, our Savior Jesus Christ is always the answer to get through whatever you're facing. Thanks, Becky. Thank you, Kendall. Hope you had a good time. I did. You did awesome on the game show. (laughs) You won a a mug. We talked about growing up in Canada. We talked about uh, your dream to being of being a mother, and someday you're going to be a grandma. Yeah. So that'll be a whole new adventure, for sure. Um, thanks for taking. Oh, one more thing. Okay. I really liked your your motto, your mantra, your creed. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I adopted that. It's plagiarized. So. Sitting in church one day listening to a young man report on his mission and he told the story that he had a companion who every day would say to him, Elder, today is a great day to have a great day. And it kind of drove him crazy, but then he learned to love it. Uh And listening to that, I thought, I really like that. (laughs) Because why not? Every day you wake up, today is a great day to have a great day. Well, I've had a great day with you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Me too. (laughs) Thanks for coming out here to the Yorkshire Studios is what I'm calling this. Nice. Um, So thanks, Becky, and we'll see you next time. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of In Retrospect, an interview with Becky Jackson. Thanks to Becky for taking her time, and thanks to all of you for taking your time to listen to the podcast. If you liked it or loved it, please leave a rating and share it with your friends and family and, or subscribe. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook searching In Retrospect Podcast. And you can also check out the blog searching In Retrospect Podcast.blogspot.com. I'll be looking forward to reading any of your comments or reviews. So, again, thank you. I'd also like to give a special thanks to Sarah Anderson for the cool artwork that she created. I gave her the idea and she made it look cool. Thanks again, Sarah. Until next time, this is Kendall Thurman. May light and peace ever grow in your life. May your socks be dry and unholy. And may all your cinnamon rolls be slightly overdone. Take care. We'll see you.